You're listening to Comedy Central. Please welcome Tarana Burke. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for so, me. so honored to have you here. Um, I was honored to be with you at the Time 100 Gala. You were honored as t- one of Time 100's most influential people. Congratulations Thank on you. that. It is well deserved. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you have become so synonymous with the Me Too movement and this idea of justice, we've just learned uh, today that uh, a New York grand jury indicted Harvey Weinstein on two counts of rape and a single count of criminal acts. Yes. Uh, If convicted, he faces up to 25 years in prison. Is this something that brings you joy, or how do you react to a story when it culminates in this manner? You know, it's it's not... It doesn't bring me personal joy. I don't... You know, this is not really what it's about. And I've said this before. This is not really a moment to, like, celebrate how the mighty have fallen. But it is cathartic for the survivors. This is a moment for them to to see a sense... Have a sense of relief for some of them. There are others who don't feel like it's justice. Right. And there are others who feel a little bit tenuous because it's going to mark the beginning of them having to be dragged through a trial process where his, you know, his attorneys are going to try their best to diminish them and to, and to make them seem like they were complicit. Right, and that's something I think a lot of people forget about uh, cases of sexual assault, mm-hmm. uh, is that the women are at the beginning that's of right. their journey where now people will probe them, people that's will right. make them out to be liars. Uh, when you look at the Me Too movement, when, when you started your program, what was your initial goal? Our goal was really to work with um, black and brown girls in the South around, who are survivors of sexual violence to speak healing into their lives, to let them know that healing was possible and let them know that they weren't alone. And it just grew from there. It grew from working with young girls to grown women. We realized, oh, we're survivors of sexual violence, so there's others like us. And, it, and it's really been focused on what survivors need to start a healing process. That's really what the heart of our movement has been about. And also working to end sexual violence. And if you, if you look at this world that we live in now, mm-hmm. the Me Too movement has become synonymous with men being brought down. Right. I often hear people say the phrase, oh, Me Too claims another victim or another win for Me Too. Do you think that's the right way to frame it? Do you think maybe people are missing the point of what Me Too is meant to inspire? Absolutely. It feels like playing whack-a-mole after a while, right? Right. It's like, who's the next person Me Too is going to take down? And that's not really our focus. If, as a byproduct of people coming forward and telling their truth, then there's justice that happens, there's some kind of retribu- um, you know, resolution that happens right, from right. that, then that's fine. But our goal is really to support the survivors and to make sure survivors are in a place of leadership in the, in the work to end sexual violence. It's not about taking down powerful men. And it's not a woman's movement either. That's another sort of misconception. It's a movement for survivors. You, you, you made headlines recently when um, you were in Harlem, I believe, at a restaurant, <laughs> and they were playing R. Kelly. Yeah. And you asked them to, to stop playing the, the R. Kelly song. Yeah. And then you, you reached out, you know, to prominent radio DJs, and you said, hey, help us. Help us to mute R. Kelly. Yeah. That grew into a movement which culminated in Spotify, for instance, saying, hey, we're going to remove him from, from playlists, et cetera. 
Could you explain the why in and around that? Like, why was that so important to you? If, if some people say, but oh, it's the music, it's not him. Why was that so important to you? Well, first, I didn't start the Mute R. Kelly, so I want to be clear about that. I've right. been, I have been talking about and, and speaking out against R. Kelly like a number of black women for years. Mute R. Kelly is a campaign that was started by these two other black women that I, that I support really enthusiastically. But the, the, the issue is not just about R. Kelly. The, the way that he makes his money is through his music and through performances. If we continue to support him, he uses that money to the detriment of these black and brown girls that he's been preying on for 20 years. And it's, so it's about making sure he doesn't have the resources to do that, but it's also because he symbolizes a greater thing. There are R. Kelly's in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our schools, in our churches. He represents a thing that we can't touch, we can't stop, we cannot, right. we cannot get people to pay attention to the plight of sexual violence against black and brown girls, and R. Kelly is a perfect example of it. Do you think that if R. Kelly's victims were a different race, there would have been a movement that was far more powerful against him? I think if R. Kelly's victims were white girls, I think if they were black boys, that there would be a movement against him that would have, that would have started and ended 10, 15, 20 years ago. Wow. I think specifically because it's black and brown girls that it has been slow because we think about black and brown girls differently. It's interesting because I, I see these parallels across many, many groups, you know. There isn't one particular group where there is more preying or there is more sexual assault. Right. It feels like you find this across cultures. But one mm -hmm. thing I, I, I've come, and you, you'll correct me if, if, if I'm wrong, I've come to find that predominantly in cultures of color, mm -hmm. there is an idea that we shouldn't speak about these Absolutely. things. I remember growing up, you know, if an uncle was accused of abusing a young girl, then the girl would get into trouble. Mm -hmm. How do you begin these conversations in communities of color? How do you get people on your side and realize that the community has to work from the inside? I feel like, I, I've said this before, we have to, have to be able to hold two truths at the same time or more than one truth, right? And I'll speak about the black community specifically. I think in the black community, we are so focused on the fact that there is a, there is a true history of black men being falsely accused of rape and sexual violence in this country. That's true. There's right. no question about it. History you know, supports that. But it's also true that in every community, the people who commit sexual violence, except for the native community, by and large, are from that community. Right. And so if that's true, and we know that black women are sexually assaulted and, and victims of sexual violence, then it, ha it happens by and large at the hands of black men. And so we have to unravel this, this idea that we have to be silent to protect our men and we have to protect our community from this. And we also have to dismantle this, these notions we have about um, womanhood and sexuality and you know that a girl develops and she gets a body and all of a sudden she's solely responsible for protecting herself right. from perpetrators right right it becomes her fault that she develops a breast and a behind and you know men find her attract grown men find her attractive and then we give you know what happens in our community I'm sure in African communities as well as in right, American right, communities, right. you get these rules, right? Don't sit on anybody's lap. Mm -hmm. don't, don't let anybody touch your private parts. All of the rules, all the onus is on the child. But what we don't say very often is, if those rules are broken, it's not your fault. You're not the one responsible. The adults are wholly responsible for making sure that you're safe. That's what we have to unpack. We have to start unpacking those things in our community and having honest conversations, really. It's not, you cannot put a song, you cannot put a person's talent over somebody's humanity. That's just, that's just insane. Wow. When we talk about the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. I'm always intrigued by that word, movements at the end of it. Where do you believe we are moving towards? Where would you like to see the country and, and, and people in different communities move towards? I know that you have a few projects that you're working on. 
Yeah, I mean, one of, because Me Too went viral on online and you know via Twitter and Facebook and social media, I think it's important for us to have an online platform for people to get resources. And so one of the things we're building is this online platform that will that will be able to provide survivors of sexual violence and their allies with resources to start trying to figure out what healing could look like for them. Right. But it's also to activate people, right? The thing that people forget is that we are millions and millions strong across the world. That is a power base. And so we also want to provide um, tools for people to get active in their communities because we have the power to interrupt sexual violence. So when I think of movement, I think us moving towards a world where we can end or at least very much interrupt sexual violence. And that can happen and be driven by the survivors. There's so many of us. Right. You know, and so that's where we're moving towards. We haven't seen a culture shift yet. I think that we have seen a culture starting to move in a different direction. Mm -hmm. But a, a true culture shift won't happen until we are re-socialized about how we think about sexual violence and how we engage with each other and how we talk to each other, how we take apart rape culture. Like those things have to happen and then we'll see a culture shift. I can only say I, I'm, I'm proud to have sat with you and I, I think you're an amazing person who's doing the most phenomenal job. Thank you. I'm excited to, to see where the movement goes. Thank you so much Thank for being you. on the show. Thank you so much. Toronto Book, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.